What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back. It's time for another episode of the Built on Bitcoin podcast, where we're covering the apps and founders, building on stacks, building on Bitcoin. And today, I have a very special guest, the co-founder of Alex, Chiante Sue. And uh, yeah, we talk about a lot. I ask her if she's always been this charismatic, because if you've seen her in Twitter spaces or on video, uh, she definitely has a, a strong presence. And I want to know, like, is that learned? Have you always been that way? And we cover a bunch of stuff around Alex. Is Alex for everyone? If you're not uh, super well off, is DeFi on Bitcoin really something you want to use? Questions like that. So, yeah cover a lot great conversation it was fantastic to talk to chiante and i won't i won't talk anymore let's just dive straight in to this conversation with chiante sue co-founder of alex welcome to built on bitcoin My first question is, I've, I've seen you go into like a Twitter spaces and just own the room. Like it's almost like the Chiante show where you just have like a certain aura and you can just own it. And so I'm curious, have you always kind of had this kind of like energy, this charisma, or is that something that you kind of like developed over time? Oh my gosh, I'm going to throw that right back at you. <laughs> I, I have really listened to you talking and then listening to your podcast. And uh, you, you, do you always open this podcast in such a charming way? That's literally not a question; it's a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> Thank but, you but, so but, much. But that's but that's my that's my question is because like sometimes I catch myself watching back my interviews for like a, a little bit just to, like mm-hmm. see what I do. And mm-hmm. when I grew up, I was terribly shy, like painfully afraid of groups bigger than four or five people. Or the camera. And so the fact that I'm even doing this sometimes, I catch my mm. old self thinking like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Like, you don't belong in front of the camera. So I've, it, this has been a process of trying to like get out of my comfort zone and push yeah. myself. And like, mm. were you that way as a kid? Or were you kind of always like the like get up and go and like rah rah chiante? Right. So coming back first, I want to tell your 10-year-old self is that you have no reason, Jack, to be shy because you speak so well. Um, if you look at where you are right now, the whole community really, not only they respect you, they look forward to see what you tweet. They look forward to watch your podcast, right? So if you also can tell your 10-year-old self the same thing, I would be really more than happy. He's listening. So about, yeah, it's, it's true, right? Look at what you're doing now, man. This is just like, this is a, one of the most anticipated tweet and summary and podcast among the stack community. And number two, I was exactly like you. I think I was a little bit at the, you know, at the kind of the, that, that, that part of a little bit spectrum. And literally I, I couldn't face people. I always turn my face towards a corner. <laughs> and um, I think throughout the time, it's just, you know, with the people's help, with family's help. And also at the end, I went into academia, so I had to teach. So I had to train myself a lot. And then the more you train, you know that you meet really good people and you really want to talk to them, right? You want to have eye contact with them. So slowly, surely it brought out of me and 
I really love to interact with people. Yeah. I've, so I've, yeah, <laughs> I, I've heard, and I, I feel for myself whenever I try and like synthesize some hard, complex topic in stacks mm-hmm. or crypto. Being able to read something is powerful, but then being able to give it to someone else and they go, "Okay, that makes sense." Like mm. that that ability to teach yourself to teach others, like it it's like exponential on being able to understand these things. Yeah, I totally agree, and that's why I always tell myself is that until you can teach a certain subject, right, you haven't mastered it. Right. Yeah. And then to teach means that you have to really start on the ground, right? I remember when I was at the job market for academic, right, in the US, it, you at that time we we're still using slides, right? Even you put on your first slide, when you put on your first slide, the hands were shooting up already, right? Asking a question. They didn't even let you talk. So basically you just have to prepare yourself. So okay, why am I here? Why am I doing this? What question am I raising? And what is the methodology I'm employing to analyze uh, this particular question and what conclusion I want to give you? So within basically five minutes, you have to tell people everything about it. So I think that's kind of hard training, but that's exactly coming back to what you say is that until you really can tell people, explain to people what it is and once you can do that, you feel very confident that you have mastered it to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it's that old uh, quote that you read at Einstein a lot, where if you can't explain it to a sixth grader, you don't know it well enough kind of thing, where once you understand the, the if you can explain it in like simple terms for someone off the street can understand it, especially with something yeah. as hard as blockchain or crypto, then yeah. you understand crypto. It's that same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I always say that, you know, you Explain to me like you explain to my mom. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good bar. That's a good bar. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and your mom is going to be critical of you. Like, I don't understand. She's not going to be nice no. and like overly fluff things. No, she's going to tell you exactly the way it is. That's, that didn't work. That definition is dumb. I don't get it. Yeah. Is your mom like that too? I don't talk with to her about crypto at all. I haven't begun that process yet. So she's usually, if it gets to like harder topics, uh, mm-hmm. no, we don't go too deep. She kind of changes the topic. She gets frustrated pretty quickly. Oh. Yeah. But she's got love for everything we do. So she's not like critical. She's just kind of mm-hmm. like, like supporter from the sidelines, even though she doesn't really yeah. understand what the heck I'm doing. Yeah. That's good in mom. You know, when I was working Wall Street, my mom thought that I was a bank teller. I was sitting behind the window and give people cash. Mm. Yep. <laughs> it's the same thing. What what did you what did you teach when you were a teacher? So I was teaching uh, a few things. Uh, undergrad, I was teaching macroeconomics and uh, econometrics. And then for the for the PhD, I usually held seminar for uh, financial econometrics. Okay. So it's quite a quantitative type of topics. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Um, interesting. There's a there's a idea I want to run by you because of your expertise of of economics, and mm-hmm. I've been playing with this idea that, like, how do I word this best? I think Bitcoin might not have ever existed if the Fed was more responsible at capital allocation and printing money, meaning it was almost like. Uh, it's almost like an allergic response to bad policy and, and bad like fiscal responsibility by a government that people said Bitcoin, something like this has to has to be like an antidote to that. And so my I'm thinking if the and you tell me where I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. the the Fed controls money supply and the mm-hmm. SEC controls 
how things are traded as securities, and then you can trade that money once it's a security, et cetera. In that kind of like understanding, do you think that if the government was like pristine at their money supply tactics or the SEC uh, is super clamped down on regulation, who has more control in the next like 10, 20 years on the future? Is it is it the Fed and maybe they can rein themselves in or the mm-hmm. SEC? What's your thoughts on mm-hmm. that? I hope I explained it okay. well. Yeah, no, no, you absolutely, I know exactly where you come from, right? I think the I give you a short answer, I give you a long answer, okay? So, so the short answer is, I know, it, because I know it's several compound and I agree with you. So the short answer is that in the very near future, unfortunately, both of them are going to be influential. Yeah, just like what they are right now. Like anything Fed say is going to move the market and it's going to move the, it's going to uh, generate the uncertainty about to the same as SEC, right? But I think, and I hope that in the long run, none of them will matter. And here is why, right? And exactly just like you say that you know, where we are right now, we after decades of you know coordinated government policy, and the, the, why were the government policy there? Right, they were there to prevent widespread capital destruction. Right, in each and every recession, there were more regulation, more institution being imposed to the system. So where we are right now, after all the recession, we we find ourselves in an overkill of it. Right. You know this uh, very famous Chinese war strategy called Laozi. And I love quoting him because you know what he wrote is a thousand years already, but it's just so wise. He said that if you are untrusting, people will not trust you. Mm. Right? And that's where we are right now. And if you look at the Fed, so you mentioned the Fed, right? Uh, you know, I came from Wall Street. Right. Where we are right now is that interest rate is so low, largely because the Fed set the rate to zero, right? And they buy 120 billion bonds every month, right? So when I was on Wall Street, we had the same. So, you know, it really doesn't matter of any intrinsic value you want to, uh, you know, measure, estimate from S or what. Just don't find the Fed, right? Because they go out there, they print money, they set interest to zero, they buy all the bonds. And that's where we are right now. So, you know, economics doesn't lie for long. So that's a good thing. But unfortunately, but, you know, truth is also painful, right? So the, the painful is that if the system that swing too far from the balance, and it's going to usually snap back towards the center, right? So, so now there's this pressure. So what does it mean by interest rate setting to zero with overflow of the capital on the market? Is that it start the pressure to deprive the group of the wealth that they have accumulated and they have entitled, they have granted it themselves, the pressure start, right? It's a very natural process, right? So that the path in this process, you know, is it, it's going to define the market for decades. That's why you have been saying that, I have been saying that, you know, we are just in the infancy of Bitcoin. We're just in the infancy of crypto, right? And this is a natural force why it brought us to crypto. Is that, you know, the fight started by haircutting the wealth, right? So, and then those who own bonds, that's just the first thing, right? Who owns bonds? Who owns 10-year treasury, right? So, 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 so the worst possible investment environment for the wealthy is now, right? So we think about what does high inflation mean? It means that the yield is very low on those risk-free bonds, right? 
extremely high valuation for the risky asset. Look at S&P 500, right? So, so, so low yield deprived people, a way of mitigating their loss of buying power, purchasing power, basically. So the, the, the grow poor and poor unless they take the market risk. But in a way, asset valuation are historical high, like you hear the S&P is a historic high, and then increasingly disconnected with its real economic reality. You know, only people who can, who can, who can take those risks will buy them, right? So, so, so really, ultimately, what we are seeing is a, is a, foreign, is a, is a terrifying situation because if you look at U.S. inflation, is what year to year is over six percent. Six percent. What it means is that if you, if my mom or your mom owned a risk-free ten-year treasury note, right? Ten-year treasury note. It is is supposed to be risk-free, and guess what? They just lost twelve percent, right? Because of the inflation and because of a price movement, they just lost twelve percent of their saving, right? So, 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 and then if you look at the people who really maintain their real wealth in the past year, because they really own risky asset, but who really own the risky asset? But if you look at risky asset, S&P return, it was at 30% a year, right? Uh, I would say one year is about 30%. So even in real term, it's at 26%. If you look at, for example, the, the, the gasoline and copper price, right? It's 50% plus, Jack. But who really in the real world own this assets, right? So it's really terrifying. So, 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 you know, very few traditional money own such things. They consume them. So, so, so the one thing that the traditional money are unwilling to risk is to put their money invest in the digital assets. Mm -hmm. But it is going to change, right? Because the discrepancy between 10-year treasury and the risky asset that really has no intrinsic economic value and digital asset, there's just no other way, right? They have to come to digital asset. If you look at Bitcoin, you know, it surged one year 65%, Ethereum surged more than 450%, right? There's a natural force of the market or of the system bring this extreme into the center. I think that's what we are seeing right now. So, you know, there's another thing of Chinese, they say that, you know, water is fluid, right? Mm. It's soft, but, and it's yielding, but water will wear away any rock, mm -hmm. which is rigid and cannot yield. So my, this is what my long answer is that, what roles can we envision for Fed and SEC, given where we are right now and given where we are going? Is that that's a very long answer? I'm sorry, I get no. That's good. And I'm, and I'm 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 trying to like keep these things in my head because what it's funny like Bitcoin and crypto make a lot of people learn things they didn't have any interest in before, and so you know most of us go on the rabbit hole of trying to understand the history of money or monetary policy when before we're just like we just go to work and we get our paycheck and it is what it is. Yeah, and I think there's some corollaries there where the there's like an idea that the the risk the more risk free thing nowadays is being an entrepreneur when being an entrepreneur back in the day was like you're crazy you know you're going to fail you know how often people like strike it out strike out and it doesn't work but nowadays like the the 40 year job plan to retirement like i don't think anybody thinks that's real anymore cuz there's just so much automation and overseas mm. ship like 
the fact that you're going to stay at one company for 40 years sounds ludicrous for someone coming out of college now. So mm-hmm. you can expect they're going to jump around and, and the old ideas of what was deemed risk versus riskless has completely mm-hmm. flopped in some sense. And that's kind of the same with, with this, where it's like bonds now are leave you upside down when they're supposed mm-hmm. to be the bedrock of things. Yeah. So, yes. And I've been, go ahead. If you have anything to say to that. No, I totally agree. I think that the definition of, you know, job or retirement have also changed because of the technological evolution, Mm. right? So, uh, for example, we are in the shared economy just because of, you know, Web 2.0 was easier, right? So it's easier to share the share the share the jobs for example you know if you think about uber etc etc right so in the sense of you know you have to work 10 hours 12 hours a day in a company five days a week it's becoming kind of ridiculous right you can you can you can dice up your time in the way that it should be optimal for you for example jack can do like five hours, you know, mining, stacking, podcast, but the other five hours, he could just do something else, right? Optimize your own utility, right? And in terms of, you know, what does it mean by retirement, right? If mm. you look at the demographic, that's another, you know, thing that we all have to keep in mind that we live longer and longer. We live healthier and healthier, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like what my mom and dad's generation of retired at the 60s, it's just not possible anymore just because of pure pension system is not going to support us. You and I retire 60 or 65. Just, we're not going to have that. Yep. Is retirement becoming a really real thing? I, I want to think that it's almost like, you know, what's the next project that excites you and interests you, but yet can monetarily can be rewarded, right? Mm-hmm. That should be your next challenge as opposed to next job. Yep. No, I, I, t- I totally agree. Cause like one of the things I started doing when, so when I'm not doing this, I work at a grocery store. And so I see people all day long. It's kind of like an upper mm. end, upper end grocery store. And I made mm. the point that whenever I see someone who's like, you know, in their late fifties, maybe or beyond, and they have like a mm. good aura about them. I just ask them like, not to be rude, but what'd you do? Like, I'm curious. Cause when you're that mm. age and you still kind of have like that zest for life, I'm, mm. I, I want to learn from them. So mm. usually it's, they were an entrepreneur, they had their own business. They were artistic yeah. or they were, you know, they founded some machining thing. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that that's, but they also are still curious, you know, typically they, yeah. they're still reading books and they're still going and trying new things. Like you're never, you don't retire in the sense that you just go chill on the beach and drink, you know, Corona's like that's, that's a death sentence in some sense. You always I agree. stimulate your yeah. mind for the next thing. Yeah. So who is the most interesting person you talk to in your grocery store? That's a great question. Um, Don't think too much. It's some, it's definitely some customers. It's Mm -hmm. I I knew a guy who he's from Greece Mm -hmm. and uh, he's in pretty good shape and he rides his bike to the store every day. And Mm -hmm. I was like, so what, what what did you do in your past life? And he was like, well, I'm a, I'm an astrophysicist teacher. And oh my so, gosh. And now he just kind of like, he's just this regular dude that, you know, buys fresh halibut, you know, every other day. And uh-huh. uh, he's working on some kind of theory that might crack the code of something. And so he's trying to get it published. And yeah, just a, just a crazy regular dude that is right. actually like a, a echelon like physicist in academia. So that's, wow. that's pretty interesting, which it's yeah. hard to have a conversation with him because I don't know anything about physics. So <laughs> he goes off in the weeds and I just kind of like, 
I do that. <laughs> just tell him he's he didn't explain good well enough. Just say you have to explain to me that I will understand that exactly. you mastered it. <laughs> yep, yep. But the, the good thing though is they'll give you if you ask for good book recommendations, they'll give you like mm. this is the Bible for this topic, and then you can kind of like build the bricks on top of that. So that's what I've been trying to do. Yeah, I agree. I think we should have dummies for whatever, whatever for every single subject. On ha, Earth, have right? what? Have what? Have that, those people called dummies for like for Bitcoin 100%, for dummies. 100%. 100%. Right? Yes. Ethereum for dummies. Crypto yeah. for dummies. And it would just be, it would be, it'll be my face on most of them. It would just be me because I'm that dummy. <laughs> no. uh, totally. Okay. That would be your next challenge. You write a book. Bitcoin for dummies. That's a good one. We, we need that. <laughs> if that doesn't yeah. exist already, that's, that's a missed opportunity. Um, I don't think so. I think that's Bitcoin Maxis, they don't want anything associated with dummies. That's probably what it is. <laughs> they, they just keep deleting things. They keep reformatting it. There's too much in here. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, All so right. let's 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 switch gears a little bit and get into what you guys are building. Uh, I think most of the people who watch this podcast know what Alex is, but maybe for those who I've been able to slowly bring into our world, give them a breakdown of okay. what what are you guys working on? What is Alex? We like to say Alec is a full DeFi service built on Bitcoin via Stacks, right? So we also like to say, for example, that, you know, you, you hear all what we have been saying, like Alex bring Bitcoin to life. So I know Max is the one to hear this, but Alex stands for Automated Liquidity Exchange, right? It means that who have capital and who those who need capital, they are connected over the DeFi, so decentralized peer-to-peer -peer network, right? With no intermediary. So I think that's the most important thing about DeFi is there's no middleman. So it makes it more efficient when you remove the middleman, right? So um, so we move beyond trusting in people, but trusting only codes. But I know when I say that, when Asura told me that, you know, trust in code, don't trust people. And then somebody tweeted it back said, yeah, most people don't read code. We still trust people. Yeah. I found that hilarious. So that's okay. Right. That's okay. I think that's why, you know, since we started this journey of a building outlet, we got such a really tremendous support from the community because the team is really solid. Right. So I can come back to talk about team, not me, but really the team a little bit. So we are one of the first protocol, as you know, because we're the first cohort to, uh, to bring full DeFi service on Bitcoin via Stacks. So what we do, for example, you know, if you think about financial system, right, it can sound so complicated, opaque, other people like to use jargons, but I always just like to break down into three pieces, very simple, right? Number one, you need a market, right? Just like where you work in a supermarket, it's a market right, where people buy and sell things, right? So we we build a market. That market is called decentralized exchange, right? So you can buy, sell stuff. But number two is just like the supermarket, you need you need the goods there for people to buy and sell, right? So you need the vegetable, you need great states for people to buy and sell. So here we need to create financial instrument, right, for people to come to buy and sell. So the particular financial instrument that we create or we offer um, on Alex is a little bit different. Is that we offer you know fixed income type of instruments such as CDs, right? So if you have a Bitcoin, you can say, okay, I want to come to deposit for one month, and you get a fixed rate, so you get the certainty. And I think that's something that we haven't seen in Stacks and many other DeFi protocol either. And so that's the instrument. 
But I think most importantly, that's where financial system work is through leverage. What does that mean? It means that money is not linear, right? So when you have $100 and then you, 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 you transfer that $100 to me, right? That's very linear. But what we can do is we can create certain derivatives so that this $100 actually become much more intense of value for the society. What I mean is that, for example, let's say you are very risk averse, right? So you want to buy certain insurance you can say, okay, Chenda, I'm going to give you now $10. And if, I'm just making up, if let's say a Bitcoin go under 30K, you are going to pay me $100 back, right? So suddenly your money has more usage of risk transfer. Why would I do this? Well, because I like your $10. So if I get from everybody $10, I'm like an insurance company, right? So I can diversify the risk because on the average, not, you know, not everybody is going to default on me, right? So that's how insurance company works, right? So, so, so this is what we call leverage. Leverage at the end of the day is the risk transfer. Some people like to take more risk. Some people like to hedge their risk and through certain derivatives, Right? They can exchange their risk through derivatives. And usually derivative is associated with the leverage. So that's what Alex does as well, because we have all these underlying pools. So we can offer, for example, margin trading, yield farming, this kind of, you know, I would call it more like the, you know, high risky type of investment strategies for people to come to invest. So overall, really, it's like a financial services we are trying to build. Oh, we actually have built all of it. On Stacks is we have a Launchpad, right? We have a DEX, and then we have those financial instruments. And we also offer those leverage for people to transfer their risk among each other, peer-to-peer. So that's what we have built. Okay. And is this all going to be available when you guys launch on mainnet or is there going to be tiers that kind of go out in different waves? Yeah, we are going to uh, launch it gradually for various reasons. So what we are going to do is we're going to launch the launch pad first and guess what token we're going to launch first. What's that? Guess. The Alex token? Yeah. Yeah? Are you, call, yeah. Are, are, you, are you calling it Alex? Is that what's going to be named? We're calling it Alex, yes. Okay. So we're going to publish our tokenomics very soon. And we're going to uh, publish the, uh, you know, how we're going to launch Alex token, how the design of the uh, launch page is going to look like, et cetera, et cetera. But I think most important thing, you know that always, you, you know our vision from day zero is that we are, we are really building a decentralized finance, right? This whole Alex protocol at the end of the day is going to belong to the community, right? So we did a lot of research, the team did lots of research on how we are going to, you know, we, we call it gradual decentralization, right? From liquidity provision to the launch pair, how can we make sure that at the end of the day is the community who has a vote and who is going to decide all these very important decision makings. Um, so, um, so the, okay, so we're going to launch the launch pad first. And then we are going to launch the DEX and the uh, staking and liquidity provision. Did I forget other things? Yeah, I think that's that. And then we are going to launch the uh, land borrow, the fixed rate fixed uh, term land borrow. 
Okay. And the last thing we are going to launch, the Q1 we are going to launch is the order book decks. So that's really, really cool. So that's more advanced decks that, you know, the traditional finance people are more used to it. It's not like the AMN, Uniswap type of deck. It's that like you will match in the order first. So you can you can leave different, kind, different kind of order, like limit order, etc. Just like the way you do it on Robinhood, I guess. That. So very similar to that experience. So that is going to be launched uh, Q1. So that's about the mainnet launch. And then obviously uh, we have a lot of innovation coming. So we want ours to be you know, a long-term project that people stay with us for very, very long. We have all these innovation coming, right? So you will see that we are building bridges to other Bitcoin uh, um, you know, chains. So that's what we are doing right now. I won't talk too much yet. So that's what we are doing. We have a lot of innovation coming. Beautiful. I love it. Have you learned anything in your process from working with a, a team? They're trying to mm -hmm. understand clarity of other founders that might be debating where they want to go, whether they want to go on Solana, whether they want to go on Ethereum or Stacks. What have you learned in this process over the past you know, six, eight months of building on Stacks and any advice to them on why they should build here? I fell in love with Stacks, right? Originally, we actually were, we were, planning to launch on the separate on the different chain and i'm not saying the name they they wooed us there uh they they founded us there etc etc and then um i spoke to my very good friend jpc who is a professor in princeton who was munib's thesis advisor i said oh i'm going to launch this DeFi on this chain he said no no no, no. you have to come to launch on us and i, I actually i didn't know his involvement uh, with stack so i said what do you mean by us so he explained to me about Stacks. He explained to me about, uh, you know, the Stacks 2.0, about the smart contract. And then we met Munib and we were, the whole team was just, you know, right away convinced about Munib, um, you know, his vision. Right? So I think when you come back to say, okay, what kind of founder should come to Stacks? I like to say that if you truly believe in Web3, if you truly believe in decentralization, and if you truly believe that your vision is that a community-owned protocol, that you want to build something for the community for very, very long term, then come to Stacks. But if you are going for the hype, for a very short-term gain, right? Stack is not for you. You got mm. to be patient and you got to love the community. The very, the really, really something special about us that is a community. I'm sure you feel the same way. 100%. Right? Yeah. It's, a, it's just, you know, this group of people, they come together, they chat on Discord, they chat like us because somehow this particular blockchain technology speak to their vision, speak to their value, right? And that's how we unite together. Um, and you know, they are NFT, they're game, right? Moonray, they're us like DeFi, even within DeFi, there's Akadiko, Stacks, while we're all a little bit different. But I think all our values is the same, is that we are trying to build something long-term. We're trying to build the, you know, the particular DeFi, we're trying to build the financial primitives for Web3. So I think that if, if you are this type of founder, Stack is perfect for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
that, that, that makes sense. I mean, the thing I've heard you talk about early on in different interviews is about we're building, we're building financial primitives. We're, we're, mm. we're building the foundations first. And you can even see it in your roadmap where like the thing mm. you, the thing you, you put out last is the yielding things, which that's the sexy thing that people want. And yeah. a, lot, a lot of companies would put that first where you can gain, you know, 26,000% APY. And, yeah. and you see it with Muneeb too, where, uh, you know, they start with Bitcoin, they're anchored to Bitcoin and they build mm. stacks and stacks is optimized for decentralization first. Yes. So you, you can run it on a Raspberry Pi mm -hmm. and then it's optimized for composability. So you can, you know, expand Bitcoin. And now we're talking about scalability, which is not something yes. that you need to at the front end, like Solana. Mm -hmm. So that, I, I, that makes total sense. Like if you have a long-term vision for, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50 years out and things that can sustain mm. that long. Uh, mm. The people building on stacks and who have built the foundations here believe in that strongly and, and they're doing it with their actions and how they're building. Yes, yes. No, I totally agree. That's why, you know, even an application like ours, a protocol and dev like ours, right? We also need to be patient. A lot of people say, you know, when I talk to VCs, right? So in the very beginning, it was really, really painful. I don't know. I think you, I, 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 I forgot who I talked to this about. It's at the very beginning of VC, they would say, the first question is, uh, why stacks, right? Yeah. So you have to like spend like 75 to 80% of the time really to justify yourself why you are not going to, uh, you know, Avalanche or Solana or Near or other chain. You say, yeah, because of this. So it's really 75 to 80% of the time you explain that why you are on stacks. But I think now it's getting better. Now I think stack is a little bit more well-known. And I always like to say, right, you know, don't judge stacks where it is now, right? If you go to like Discord, Archidigo stacks, where people complain about network congestion, the transaction time, et cetera, et cetera, right? You know, I understand people's uh, frustration, but don't judge where stack is now and then try to extrapolate where stacks is going to be. We are mm. really, really in the infancy and we have to grow with our layer one or 1.5, right? Um, um, you know, if you think about where we were at the beginning of the year when 2.0 just came out to now, you know, all the thriving ecosystem and then the upgrade and hopefully, you know, the subnet, those number one, the catamaran swap, subnet, sidechain, microblock. No, we have to grow with it. But once the foundation is well built, right, the, all the use cases are there, it's going to be very, very fast. But we got to be patient. We cannot judge where the stack is now and then try to extrapolate. I think any VC, if they made this kind of decision, doesn't have a long-term view. Mm, right. And you don't want that person on your team if they you don't have that, that long term. Yeah, you just want his check. You don't want him to talk to. Yeah, him. yeah, yeah. No, no terms. You'll get nothing. Yeah, just give me the yeah, money. Exactly. Okay, exactly. And go away. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Uh, do you? I'm asking everybody this because I think this is the unlock. If we can figure it out, it's going to happen eventually. But native BTC, like it's Ooh. not, it's not there yet. And yeah. like, well, there's there's some work on wrapped assets, and that that will help. But yeah. Do you guys have any, what have you guys seen or is there anything in the pipeline that isn't like commonly known about being able to use native BTC yet? Well, I think you know this better than me, huh? Maybe, <laughs> maybe. And I, I don't have I much to report back. 
<laughs> I don't. Ha- I don't have a whole lot to report back yet, but I'm talking to people. Why? Right. I think a a lot a lot innovation is ongoing. I yeah. heard actually I asked Manip the same thing. He was talking about Q one, but you have to go after that guy and ask if he's okay. We are for the mainnet launch. We are going to use the XPPC. Okay. Right. Just for the for 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 the for for the beginning, um, and then later hopefully the. You know, there will be certain type of RAP BTC, but it's not that kind of Ethereum type of RAP BTC, but it's, you know, RAP BTC on stack in the sense that your BTC never have left the, the chain itself, right? The layer itself, as opposed to Ethereum, where the RAP BTC there has nothing to do with the underlying Bitcoin, right? So right. I think that would be that would be the next step. Yeah, everybody's looking uh, forward to it. But the more you read, the more you see all these, uh, you know, articles and tweets, and the more you're hopeful that, you know, most likely it's coming uh, Q1. Got Everybody's it. waiting for it. That's really the big bet. Right? Yeah, that's, that's going to make everyone happy. The Bitcoin matches yes. will be happy. Everyone will be happy. Yes. And that's also when you will see sudden surge of, uh, of the, you know, inflow, right? Using, you know, using stacks, ecosystems such as us, such as Akadiko, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. that's really the big surge we are, we are waiting for. It's probably good we don't have it yet because we're not ready for any kind of big surge. We're still kind of working out those. <laughs> we're working out the road. You know, we're, lay, we're laying the asphalt as we go. <laughs> yes, that's right. I think yep. so, yeah. But I, yeah, exactly. I think I, I, I asked Munib, I think what he, I saw kind of, ah, maybe Q1 yeah. or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the little birdie in your ear. Yeah. Uh, Okay, I only, I only have a couple more questions left, and this one's going to be a little bit of a switch, but mm. something I think about a lot is, you know, when you're in the tech sector, and I don't work in tech, this is kind of like my first response to it, um, mm. the future is optimistic, things are like up for debate, like you can, you can, you can negotiate and change things, but most people don't live that reality, they're kind of paycheck to paycheck, and they're working a, a regular mm. job. Uh, mm, mm. If, if someone in that situation where they have, say, less than a thousand dollars in crypto, they're not mm. making a ton of money, would they find benefit in using the things that you guys are working on? I want to say yes. And, and yes is a very simple answer. So I want to give a little bit of structure, a little bit of, uh, you know, reasoning behind my answer, right? We talk so many times about our vision, right? Alex tried to build the financial services for the unbank and the bank. Right? So if you think about how many unbank adults in the world currently we have, I think it's about what two billion, right? And these are exactly the people who you you were just mentioning. Maybe they have only thousand dollar paycheck, right? So even if banks, right? Even we have a bank account, if you think about millions of people, they are charged that checking account fee, overdraft fee, ATM fee. Oh, I like to say this is a story of my mother-in-law who lives in Dakar, right? And I have to say this story again because, you know, for example, Dakar, I mean, Senegal is a, is a, is a, is a beautiful country, politically very stable, but it's still an emerging country in the sense that there's not that many job opportunity. So it's a very much trickle-down economy, right? If you have a little bit more, you share, and then you share, you share. Mm. So there are 500 families, Jack, not 500 people, 500 families who directly depend on my mother-in-law's money, right? Wow. And 
Yeah, and every time when we transfer, guess how much West Union charge? Eight to twelve percent. Mm-hmm. And this is what this is an extra fifty families who have food, kids can go to school and have clothes to wear. Right. So, so I think unbank or bank, what Alex is trying to achieve, and just like many many other DeFi, which I will plow to their vision is that to build something that as efficient, if not more than traditional fire, but take away the middleman. Mm-hmm. Whenever you have a middleman, you, you incur inefficiency and high cost. So that's why I hope that uh, you know, the answer to your question is a yes. I like it's something that they should look into because it's much more efficient, because the cost is much lower, and also because it's much more transparent. About security, well, we build on Bitcoin via stacks. We do as much as we can in terms of security. That's a fantastic answer. I love that. <laughs> uh, well, that's all the questions I really have. Is there anything else that we didn't cover that you want to talk about? Mm, can I talk about my team? <laughs> of course you can. And by the way, I saw, I did see, I was in the first cohort of Clarity Universe. And you guys had a class that was with Rachel and I forget the guy's name, but the engineer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. You can tell, I feel like you can tell how, how bright someone is and also how deeply they've been spending time in that thing by how fast they come to answers. And he was getting Mm -hmm. hit with some good, some good questions. And he was just like, already either thought the answer through or was like asking the right questions to get to that answer in real time. So it was great to see. Uh, you guys got a fantastic team. So yeah, I should definitely talk about the team. <laughs> right. So um, yeah, I'm just, I think I'm the luckiest uh, CEO on earth is that the, the, the team on Alex, for me, they are all-star team, right? So if you think about my co-founder, Rachel, you know, she, she is a quant herself. She has a master in math. And then she was the head of sales for JP Morgan and Goldman for China, right? Institutional uh, sales. So she dealt with very complicated derivatives. So that's, that's who she is. And I think together we have more than, I want to say more than 30 years of a Wall Street experience. So we really, you know, experience what Wall Street is like, you know, the in- inefficiency, right? The overbought in middle, back uh, office, et cetera, et cetera. So that's uh, Rachel. Now, Chang is our, uh, I would say, tech advisor, uh, tech lead. He has a PhD in computer science. Um, so also extremely quantity, know the financial uh, derivative, know the risk management very, very well. And the team then is really an all-star team. I would say it's uh, the quant, right, who have been working with me at Credit Suisse, Morgan Stanley, PhD in statistics, machine learning. Then we have the best development teams, the devs, the smart country developers, really bright, young, talent, hardworking, curious, et cetera, et cetera. We also have a very strong UI UX team. The UI UX team is, I, I have to show you later when we hang out, I, I'll send you a screenshot because I'm not allowed to show you it yet, but it's going to blow your mind away. When we say, you know, we want, you remember the first day we were saying, we want to be, we want the people to have the Robin Hood type of experience of mm-hmm. DeFi. Honestly, I think the UI UX team <laughs> delivered that. I'll send you a screenshot. Wow. Later. Okay. But last but not least, this is what I experienced. And then coming back to your first question, is about, is about what kind of founder should come to Stacks, right? I think last but not least is that we were so lucky we have the world-class advisors, right? 
And these advisors, you can't, you can't pay them to come to your project because they are all richer than us. <laughs> Seriously. I remember one of the advisors when I was very arrogant when I just joined, I said, Oh, I'm just gonna raise hell a lot of money and hire the best crypto insider. And he looked at me, he said, you know, the best crypto insider, they are so much richer than you that you cannot hire them. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know that, right? You that makes that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I'm gonna work on things sense. that I yeah. want to work on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but if they are interested in your project, they like the team, they love your vision. You got to have vision. You can't just say I'm here because I want to build this. No, you got to have vision, and they they think you can execute your vision. They will come to advise you, right? Mm -hmm. They help you. We have advisor like. You know, I want to say the advisor, the first advisor we had was Rolf Hofer. Remember him? He came to talk tokenomics in the in the in the cohort, uh, the accelerator program, right? And suddenly he was in our breakout room. We had only two people in breakout room. He was one of them, and he started really advising us just like that, right? The second advisor we have is Martin Whitman, who come from traditional finance. And he's uh, sitting in every committee, every board in the Swiss or European bank. He believe, believe in crypto, believe in Bitcoin. And then we have two other advisors, also world-class, world-class crypto insider. So again, you know, the team is really not me. It's really about quant, smart country developers, UI, UX, and world-class uh, uh, advisor. So as a founder coming to Stacks, you will get all these resources. People will come to help you. But you got to have vision. Yeah, and that's what my experience is. It, it makes me think of the the quote: "When the student is ready, the master appears." Where it's like <laughs> it, it's that kind of thing. Where like once you're ready to like like subvert yeah. yourself and give yourself yes. to this vision, and it's not about rent seeking or being you know making doing a rug pull and getting all the things you can. It's about building something that is like can impact the future. People that yeah. believe in that because they've made it will give back to you in that same way with their expertise and knowledge. Yeah, you say it better than me. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely say it better than me. And um, yeah, we are all built, we are all contributing whatever we can contribute, you know, for Web 3.0, right? Yeah. That's where we are going. Yeah. 100%. Well, hmm. this has been fantastic. Where yes. people don't know about Alex, where can they go to find out more in the, yeah, for the future? Right, so um, our Twitter is, um, I think it's what, AlexGoBTC. By the way, we have, a, we have a scammer there, so people have to be careful. I'm mm. going to show you the Twitter later. So people have to be really, really careful. Now we suddenly got a scammer. Um, that means so you made Alex, it. Yeah, I know, right? We made it. <laughs> <laughs> Next time we have to, we have to like, like a, a, what a, what, what's the real something? We have to be like, real Alex. Yeah, yeah, BTC. yeah. I, I wait for my both on Bitcoin scammer to pop up and start making fake content too. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So it's Alex Go BTC. That's our Twitter. And we are on Discord. It's also backslash Alex Go. And then the new website is coming soon. It's alexgo.io. And then in Medium, we are also Alex Go. So everything is Alex Go. It's quite easy to find us. Perfect. But don't go to the scammer. We have only one Twitter account. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Well, uh, this has been months in the making. I'm glad that we can 
finally make this chat happen. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, Chiante. No, I thank you for really being such, becoming such a, ah, what is the right word? The, the essential and exciting part that glue Alex, com, uh, glue, glue stacks community together. Right? I'm trying. I can I'm definitely trying. You, like, you are definitely doing an excellent job. Everybody is looking forward to your podcast every week. <laughs> well, thank, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I, this, this has been great. Until next time. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Jack. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here waiting. I'm waiting now. I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out. Make it out, cause I don't think about everything going wrong.